Welcome to Dayspring Church Online, where we share the message of hope all over the world. Our prayer is that this podcast will help you live a more fulfilling life with God at the center. For more information on how you can take part, visit us at dayspringpc.org. Let me tell you a little joke. It says that a, a girl, a couple, uh, there was a couple, and the girl was going to have a, a heart transplant. Uh, she was going to have surgery in her heart, and uh, she goes up to her boyfriend, and she says, you know, I'm really scared, and I just want you to know that I love you, to which the boyfriend replies, I know you love me. She says, no, 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 I want you to know that I love you. And the boyfriend says, no, I want you to know that I love you so, so, so so much, and a tear just kind of drops down his cheek. After the surgery, when the girl wakes up, only her father is beside her bed. And the first thing that she asks is, where's my boyfriend? Where is he? To which the father replies, you don't know who gave you your heart? The girl begins to scream, what? No, it can't be, and she begins to cry. Then suddenly the father goes, no, I'm just kidding. He's in the bathroom. (laughs) Some of you started crying already. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful presence in this place. Lord, as we go into your word now, would you speak to us? Father, we don't want to just inform our head, but we want it to transform our heart, our life, Lord. So, Father, I know that there's many things that um, worry us, that fill our mind, but I pray that over the next few minutes, that it would just be your word, Lord, that we focus and we give attention to. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you give much thought to your heart, but did you know that everyone has a unique heartbeat? That no two heartbeats are alike. I don't know if you knew that, the, that your heart is about the size of your hand and it weights anywhere between 8 to 10 ounces. And that the number one heart disease, that, that the number one cause of death is heart disease. And that most heart attacks happen on Monday morning. And I think I have a theory. I heard this week that only 20% of Americans actually love their job. So if most most heart attacks happen on Monday, it's because people hate their job. And they just went from the weekend to now going to what they despise and are miserable in. But I also learned that laughter is one of the healthiest things you can do for your heart. So that's why we always start with the joke, because we want to... We want you to have a healthier heart. Now, the Bible speaks not only of us having a physical heart, which I just spoke about, but also having a spiritual heart. And and your heart refers to the core of us, to, to who we really are, to the real us, to us as an entire person. And what we want to do over the next four weeks is we want to focus on your spiritual heart. We want to focus on the real you. We want to focus on the core of who you are. And here's why we've titled this series, Attack of the Heart. And the reason is attack of the heart is because your heart is constantly under attack. 
And throughout the series, we're going to tell you how important it is to pay attention to your heart and, and, and how much power and how much, how much impact your heart and the condition of your heart has. And most importantly, what we're going to teach you or what I want you to learn is to guard your heart. And I'm not talking about eating vegetables and I'm not talking about a diet. No, no, no. I'm not talking about your physical heart, although we probably should do that. But most importantly, it's your spiritual heart. And here's why you need to learn to guard your heart. And maybe you've never thought about this or if you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard Proverbs 4.23. And here's why we need to learn to guard our hearts. Look at what it says in Proverbs 4.23 right there in your outlines. Guard your heart what does it say next? Above all else. Above all else. Why? Why? Why such an importance on guarding your heart? Here's why. For it what? Determines the course of your life. I want to challenge you. This is going to be our series verse. And I want to challenge you to memorize that verse. It's really easy. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. For it what? determines the course of your life. So I hope throughout the week and throughout the next month that, that you would memorize that. But listen, here's what the verse is saying. The condition of your heart, the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. Do you want to know what the future holds in your emotional life, in your relationships, in your faith, in your finances, in your career, in your personal peace, in your goal, in your family? You want to know what the future holds in those areas? Look at your heart. Because your heart determines what it's going to look like. If you don't have a healthy heart regarding your marriage, your future doesn't look too bright. If you're not guarding your heart towards, towards your personal identity, you, you, you don't have a bright future. Because our heart determines the course of our life. And listen, and here's the dangerous thing, and, and I think this may be true, sadly, for many people. We end up living lives that we did not intend to live simply because we didn't guard our heart. It wasn't my intention to be so, so, uh, so anti-opening um, up and anti-not -being, being welcoming, but, but you know, I didn't guard my heart and people hurt me. It wasn't my intention to be distrustful of man, but, but I didn't guard my heart, and now that's where I am. I, I, it wasn't my intention for me to be a workaholic, for me to be so stuck on my job and ignore my wife and ignore my kids, and most importantly, ignore the purpose that God created me for, but I didn't guard my heart towards finances and possessions, and now I am living a life that I don't like. See, the heart is very important. And that's one of the reasons we, we, we invite people to open their heart to Jesus. Because if Jesus gets in your heart, he gets into every area of your life. If Jesus gets in your heart, then he gets into your marriage. He gets into your parenting. He gets into, into your career. He gets into your relationships. But if you don't allow Jesus in your heart and, and he just kind of becomes this idea and this, and this belief, well, 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 then it doesn't really have an impact. This verse is not in your outlines, but Ephesians 3.17 says the following. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith. Parents, let me give you some advice. We cannot just raise our kids in the church. We need to raise our kids in Jesus. 
Because when you only raise them in the church, then they, they, they turn 18 and they go to college and they hear some professor tell them about how God doesn't exist and they end up believing those things because they grew up in the church, but they never grew up in Jesus. See, one of the things that I am focusing on, and, 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 and I'm talking about Maisley now, but, but Kaylee's getting to the, point where, to the point where she's beginning to understand certain things. And I always talk to, to Maisley about Jesus living in your heart. He lives in your heart. Yes, he's in heaven, seated at the throne of the Father, on the right side of the Father, but he also lives in you. And because he lives in you, the, the, then, then that should change the, the things we like. That should change the things we see. That should th change the way we act. Because here's why. Your heart, and, and this is what I would want you to understand, your heart determines the course of your life. We want to change so many things. We want to change our jobs. We want to change the person we're married to. We want to change churches. But if you do not change your heart, let me tell you, you're going to be in the same condition. Do you, do you want to know what your heart is? Do you want to know the condition of your heart? Do you want to know what your heart is full of? Listen to what your mouth says. Listen to what your mouth speaks. Because whatever your mouth is speaking, that is what fills abundantly your heart. In fact, Jesus said this in Mark 7, 21 through 23, right there in your outlines. It says, out of your heart, another version says, out of the abundance. In other words, whatever is packed in there, that's what kind of overflows and that's what you speak. And that's why people say, oops, it slipped out. No, it didn't slip out. Your heart is so full of that, that, that that's what's coming out. It says, out of, the, out of your heart come evil thoughts, vulgar deeds, stealing, murder, unfaithfulness in marriage, greed, meanness. We got any mean people in this room? It's a heart issue, deceit, indecency, envy, insults, pride, and what? foolishness okay you thought it was your parents fault no it's a heart issue you thought it was your co-worker you thought it was your wife if she would change no it's your heart he says out of out of all these all of these come from where from your heart and listen to this this is a scary part and they make you unfit to what to worship now, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, implies, and this is what, what, what I want you to understand, implies that we are in charge of our heart. It is not, listen to me, it is not God's responsibility to guard your heart. It is your responsibility to guard your heart. Amen. Your heart is in the condition you've allowed it. Your heart is filled with the things you've allowed. The pain that is in your heart is the pain that you have obtained, the things that you have allowed to settle in. And, and Proverbs tells us that it is our responsibility to guard our heart. That's why he says, above all else. I mean, I was thinking to, I was thinking to myself, Lord, how could I illustrate how much we should guard our heart? And the one thing that came to mind was our phones. What if we guarded our heart like we do our phones? Or guys, guys, not all guys, but some guys, your car. What if, what if you guarded your heart like you do your car? Or ladies, what if you guarded your heart like you do your purse? I got enough bullets for everybody. All right? But let's look at the phone because I...
majority of us can identify. What do we do? When we get a phone, we buy a case and a screensaver. And if that's not enough, we buy insurance for it because God forbid it would break or somebody would steal it. Then what would I do without a phone, right? And, and here's the thing. We always make sure that it's charged and we carry around portable chargers in case it starts to run out. How much do we protect our phone? We don't just let anybody play with it. We don't even trust our wives with it. We're always attentive to it. You always know where your phone is. I've seen some of you lose your phone for a moment and you start panicking. Like, I've seen you panic more than when you lost a child. <laughs> where's my phone? Has anybody seen my phone? And where's your child? Oh, he's okay, but where's my phone? Right? In fact, you are so aware of where your phone is that I guarantee that for the majority of us, that is the first thing you do in the morning. You don't even brush your teeth, Cochino. You just, just kind of... You don't do your bed, but you do check your phone. Right? And it doesn't stop there. I got more. Can I go more? Is it okay? We upgrade it so often. Even though it works, we want a newer one. We want a better one. And we always, always respond to it as soon as possible. We can be in the middle of church. Somebody sends you a text. <laughs> right? So, so, so what if we guarded our heart like we do our phone, our car, our purse? Now, wh what does it mean to guard your heart, and how do you do it? Well, I want to give you two ways today. Well, actually three. I want to give you three ways. And over the coming weeks, we're going to give you more ways. Okay? The first way you guard your heart is by paying attention to what you see, hear, feel, and do. You guard your heart by paying attention to what you see, hear, feel, and do. Remember that song for those of us that grew up in church? Remember that song? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Remember that song? What? Now you know why I'm not in the worship team. But listen, don't believe everything you hear. When I was graduating from Bible school, um, one of our last assignments was to go to a, to a pastor with experience and say, what advice can you give me um, as I start ministry? And, and we're going to talk about that today. And, and I had a really good pastor a uh, friend uh, that was a pastor, and I went to him and I asked him, and here's what he told me. He goes, don't believe everything people tell you. They're going to tell you you're the greatest speaker. Don't believe that. Because <laughs> some of them are lying. He says, and they're going to tell you that you're the worst speaker. Don't believe that also. Because some of them are lying. And you know what? I know I've only been in ministry, what, like 15 years? It's true. You can't believe everything you hear. You can't believe everything everyone tells you. And you don't have to act on every feeling. Feelings are real, but they're not reliable. Okay, you don't ignore your feelings, but you don't act based on your feelings. You know what acting based on your feelings is called? 
childish, immature. You acknowledge your feelings and you bring them before God, but you don't make decisions based on them because feelings are not reliable. You, you could be bored right now and, and your mood could change in a couple of seconds. You can be happy and somebody says something and your mood, what? Goes down, right? So you pay attention to what you see, hear, feel, and do. And the second is that you got to guard your desires, you got to guard what you crave. You got to guard your pleasures. You got to guard what you want. And we live in times where the motto is if you desire it, you should have it. And that is not true. That is not true. There are things that we want that we should not have. There are things that we want that are wrong. And we need to guard those, our heart against those things. And listen, can I tell you something? I'm just, this is me, okay? I'm, I'm sharing me. I stopped going to the Apple store. I, coincidentally, I had to go this Monday because I had to change the battery on my phone. <laughs> but I stopped going to the Apple store. You know why? Because every time I would go in there, there was about things that I needed. Man, if I had that iPad, I could preach better. Had, if I had that computer, I could work better. And there, listen, companies are really good at telling us what we need. And if you're not careful, you, you end up leaving your heart vulnerable and you end up wanting things that don't really matter and end up sacrificing the things that really do. Because you say, you know, in order to get that card, if I just work Saturdays, I could have it. But what you don't realize is that Saturdays is the day where you can connect with your kids. You don't guard your heart. And then the third way you can guard your heart, and this is for the ladies, women's conference. You want to work, come to the ladies conference because that's what we're going to do. So over the next four weeks, we are going to talk about four things that we need to guard our heart against. I'm going to tell you in advance what they are, okay? I'm going to trust that you're not going to skip out on me because oh, I don't want to hear about that one, okay? We're going to talk about the approval of others. We're going to talk about greed. Nobody's got a problem with greed, right? The greedy people don't come to church. We're going to talk about anger. Anybody got anger issues? We're going to talk about guilt. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how to guard our heart against those things. So today, we're going to look at the first one, the approval of others. Any people pleasing people in here? Anybody? I, I just want people like me. I, I just bend over backwards to, to make sure people think nice of me. Okay, let me say this so that we can all start on level ground. If you have a social media account... You have some form of people-pleasing addiction. Okay? Here's how I know. Okay, unless you're one of the weird ones. Um, you only post good stuff. Me and Babe enjoying the park. <laughs> and two minutes before, you were cussing each other out. This is my mom. She's the best. And you and your mom are on talking. And we do that stuff because we want people to 
think that we got it going on. We want people to think highly of us. Now, listen, wanting or needing the approval of others is not entirely a bad thing. Okay, you understand that? It's not entirely a bad thing, okay? It is good to want the approval of your wife. It is good to want the approval of your parents. It is good to want the approval of your husband's, you, uh, of your boss, I mean, not husband, boss, um, because, because you can't go to the extreme of saying, well, this is the way I am, and I don't care if anybody likes me. You can't be a narcissist. You can't be self-centered. Because if you think that way, you'll never get married. If you think that way, you'll always have to be finding new jobs. Okay, you can go to the other spectrum of saying, well, this is the way God made me. I'm just, if you like me, this is the package. No, there's, Jesus came to make a nicer package. Okay? But you can't go to the other extreme where, where your life revolves around policing people because that's dangerous. See, it's good for you to say, I want my wife to be pleased with me. I want my kids to be pleased with me. But I am not going to let it dominate my life because when I let it dominate my life, that's when it becomes dangerous. And when it comes to needing the approval, by the way, we all need to be reaffirmed. We all need to be loved. We all need to be accepted. If you tell yourself, I don't care if people accept me, you're lying. Okay, and that's just a defensive mechanism, and you're in denial. We all want to be accepted. God created us to belong. God created us for communion. Okay? And when it comes to needing the acceptance, the approval, or meeting our need for approval, you have two options. You can seek the approval of others, or you can embrace the approval of God. Okay? I'm going to tell you the difference, and you can fill this out in your outlines. Living for the approval of others enslaves you. When you live for the approval of others, and I'll, and I'll prove that to you in just a minute, it enslaves you. But when you live for the approval of God, it liberates you. You see the difference? And, I, and I'll prove that to you in just a minute. But before this out, it's so important because when you are dominated by wanting the approval of people, you are going to be a slave to them. You are going to be, you're going to be, they're going to be your masters. But when you say, when you embrace, and by the way, let, let me just tell you because the approval of others, it's earned. You got to earn it, right? The approval of God is received. You don't earn the approval of God. You receive it. And we'll talk about that. But the difference between the approval of others and God is that one enslaves you and the other one liberates you. Let's talk about the approval of others. Let, let me tell you what it usually looks like, okay? And it's right there in your outlines. The approval of others usually starts with an authority figure. Right? It usually starts with somebody who has authority over you. Your boss, your parents, um, your teacher, your leader, whatever it is. Okay? Usually starts with authority. And then the second step is accountability. Right? They say, well, because I am the person in authority, here's what you need to do. Here's what I expect from you. And if you do what you're told and expected, then you, be, you get affirmation. Then you start saying, you're a good worker. You're, you're a good son. You're, you're, you're a good uh, follower, whatever it may be. And if you do it long enough, then you receive acceptance. This is the way the approval of others works. And here's the thing. Even if you do get acceptance from others, 
it doesn't really feel like you're being accepted. It feels like you're being controlled. That's how some of you feel at work. That's how some of you feel at home with your parents. Because you feel that, okay, if I come home early, if I don't listen to certain music, if I get certain jobs, then I feel like my parents accept me. What you really feel is controlled. If you're in a relationship and you feel controlled, you got to get out of that relationship. Okay? Now, how does the approval of God work? The approval of God works backwards. Okay? God first starts with acceptance. He says, I love you. Come home. And because God loves you, he affirms you. He says, you are my son, you are my daughter. And, but because he loves you and he affirms you, then he holds you accountable. He holds you responsible. You are responsible. And then the last thing that God exercises, and this is so amazing, this is how you know that God is God, is that the last thing he does is that he exercises authority over you. A lot of people think that the first thing God does is that he exercises authority over us, then he loves us, and that is not true. Listen, if you embrace God's approval of you, and I'm going to talk that in a minute, you're going to experience a little control. Because God, God's approval for you and me is motivated by his love for you and me. And maybe some of you think, well, I can't obtain God's approval. I, I'm just such a sinful person. I'm such a bad person. I'm, I'm such not a pastor. Listen, if, if you think God doesn't approve of you, you don't know God. And if the God that you think of doesn't approve you, then that's not the God that the Bible speaks about. Because the Bible tells us that we are accepted, that God approves of us because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us to make us acceptable before him. See, we're not acceptable before God because we're good. We're acceptable before God because Jesus is good and because God is loving. In fact, that's what Romans 5 and verse 16b says right there in your outline. Listen to this. By faith, okay, we have been made acceptable to God. And now, because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. God's gift made it possible. You see how it's a gift? God's gift made it possible for us to be acceptable to him, even though we have sinned many times. I'm going to say something that I know some people are not going to like. Okay? God accepts you right now before you do anything good. He doesn't accept you based on your ability to accept or obey his commandments. He accepts you on the fact of who he is. And the dangerous thing that I see, and I'm guilty of it, I, I will confess, I am guilty of it. The dangerous thing that I see in our churches, in many churches and in many Christian people um, going on, is that we make a list of things that people need to do before they're acceptable before God. He said, well, you got to do these things. you got to change that. you got to stop doing that. And when you do that, then God will approve of you. In the book of Galatians, Paul writes to the Galatians. And we're going to read it in just a minute. But he writes to them because Paul was going around evangelizing and he was telling people about the grace and the love of God and about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And, and behind him, 
I mean, religious Jews, uh, Christian Jews coming behind him. And the people that Paul would evangelize, he would tell them, so you've received salvation. You, you've, you've placed your faith in Jesus. And they would say, yes, we've placed our faith in Jesus. Have you been circumcised? Because if you haven't been circumcised, then you don't belong to the family of God. And what they were doing, listen to this, what they were doing is that they were making faith in Jesus plus circumcision what resulted in salvation. And Paul made it very clear that it was only faith in Jesus that brought salvation. In fact, look at what he says. Let's read it together. Oh, this is not in your outlines. Um, we'll put it up here. Galatians 1, 6 through 10. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. And look at what Paul says to them. He says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of what? Christ. I already told you what mercy is. Right? Mercy is the good that we don't deserve. It's the bad that we don't deserve when we don't get it. That's mercy. Okay? You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Listen to this. This is so powerful. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of gospel than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you've welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of who? Of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ servant so does the fact that god approves of approve of me without me doing anything mean i can continue sinning no no absolutely not okay god wants you to have victory over sin listen to this because he loves you and because sin destroys your life Okay, so the fact that God approves of us doesn't mean we can continue in our wicked ways. Doesn't mean that we can continue to be the, what he saved us from. No, 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 no. But you also need to understand that God accepts you by the work of Jesus and the faith you put in that work. I've heard people say, it isn't until you get baptized that you're saved. It, it, it isn't until, until you change your whole life that you're saved. No, let me tell you something. You are saved the moment you place your faith in Jesus. And our behavior should change not because we're obligated, but because we're compelled by the love of God in our lives that says, because God is so good to me, because he gives me what I don't deserve, I want to be like him. Not everybody got it, but those of you that got it, you got it. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you delight in your spouse, you won't need to go find somebody else. Did you hear that? If you delight in your spouse, you will not need to have an affair. When is it that affairs happen? When we stop delighting in each other. If you are choosing sin over God, it's because you are not delighting in God's love. And you have not understood how much God loves him. 
maybe you understand rules, and maybe that's all you think, and you say, and you say, well, I don't want to do all that stuff. But when you understand how much God loves you, you understand that he has the best for you, and you said, I want to please him. I want to please him because he has been so good to me. I'm not going to do that stuff, not so that God can approve of me, but because God approves of me, and he's been so good to me that I want to please him. I used to drink and I used to cuss. I'm not going to do that anymore because now I understand that God's love for me was so powerful that he reached down in that ugly, dark mess and he brought me up and, and, and I stay up. So, so I'm going to stop doing that stuff, not so that he approves of me, but so that I can keep delighting in him. You understand that? See, that's the gospel that we ought to live. We need to be careful. And I, and I know that it comes from a seal of saying, you got to do all this stuff and you got to do all this stuff and you got to. Listen, God approves of us because of who he is. And it is our love for him that should change the way we live and who we are. So I want to tell you why seeking the approval of others is dangerous. Okay, and I'm going to go fast here because I got a couple of things. Um, look at what Proverbs 29, 25 says. It is a dangerous trap. So in light of the fact that God approves us because of who he is, now I want to talk about seeking the approval of others, okay? And it says, it is a, a what? A dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are what? You are saved. Let me give you three things, three reasons why it's dangerous for you to seek the approval of others over God's, okay? Number one is that you can miss God's purpose for you. When you seek the approval of others over God's approval of you, you can miss God's purpose for you. You cannot be, listen to this, you cannot be what other people want you to do, want you to be, and be what God wants you to be. You know why? Because they're at opposite ends. What your friends want of you, it's not what God wants of you. What society wants of you, it's not what God wants of you. So you can only meet one expectation. God's or others? Whose are you going to meet? Okay? And by the way, I'm going to tell you this. You know this, but I just got to remind you. Others don't always have what's best for you in mind. You know what they have in mind? What's best for them? Oh, come on. Let's have sex. We'll get married one day. What he's really saying want to satisfy, fulfill my sexual desires, and I cannot wait, and I am afraid of commitment. Oh, you're, you're, you're my party girl. It's so much more fun when you're here. You know what they're really saying? I want to make sure that if I go down, I don't go down alone. Do you want to have a life with purpose? you got to embrace the approval of God in your life and say, I'm going to live for an audience of one. That's going to be Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, Our purpose is to please God, not what? That's people. Number two, when I seek the approval of others over the approval of God, it keeps my faith from growing. When you are more concerned in being approved by people than you are approved by God, your faith will not grow. And John 5, says the following. How could you possibly believe? You like to have your friends praise you, and you don't care about the praise that only God can give. I want to ask you a question. Who has more influence in your life, God or others? 
The, the bigger people are in our lives, the smaller God will be in our lives. The bigger God is in our lives, the smaller others will be in our lives. And your faith will not grow if you seek to people's approval over God's approval. And let me tell you one reason why grow because when we are seeking the approval of others we usually end up sinning you do things you don't really want to do just to be accepted and especially for young people you got to get this a lot of things that you're you, it's the peer pressure right it's like come on just just ditch with us come on just party with us come on just try this with us and a lot of times you really don't want to do it but you just to, to fit in, to be accepted. And by the way, it's not just young people, it's also adults. Right? A, high, a high percentage of our sins, we commit them as a result of seeking the approval of others. So if you seek the approval of others, your faith won't grow. It's about time you say, God, you're going to be number one, not others. Not me. And when you do that, you'll see your faith grow. You'll see your relationship. You'll see your delight in God grow. The third thing that happens, um, is that when I seek the approval of others over the approval of God, and, and, and this is so good, it causes me to live like a hypocrite. It was quiet. I knew it. Here's why. Nobody likes a hypocrite. Nobody likes hypocrites. But we become what we hate, what we despise. And when you make your priority pleasing other people, you, you'll start wearing masks. And you'll be one person in church. And you'll be another person at school. And you'll be another person at work. And, and you'll give up on the truth of God to keep up with your facade, to keep up with your front. And that makes a hypocrite out of us. Come on, I want to talk to Christians for a minute. That is the reason why non-Christians criticize us the most. They're hypocrites. That we behave one way in one place and then completely a different way in, in, our, in our jobs. And the reason that is, is because we, when we're at church, we care about the approval of God. But as soon as we leave, we, the, the approval of others becomes our focus. Look at what Jesus said in Luke 16, 15. You are the kind of people who make yourselves look good before other people. But God knows your heart. I'm going to start posting that on Facebook. You are the kind of people who make yourselves look good before other people, but God knows your heart. And, and I'm talking to Christians here for a minute. If you're not a Christian, this is not for you, okay? The problem with behaving like hypocrites, it's that it stops us from sharing the good news of Jesus. Okay, I, I, I'm not wanting to, to cast stones, but I'm just wanting to be real for a moment, Okay? In a very loving way. Some of us, we have co-workers, we have friends, we have neighbors. That we would love to be able to tell them about Jesus. But the reason we don't is because they know our wicked lifestyle. And listen. There's no greater task that we can have. There's no greater privilege we can have than to tell others about the wonderful, powerful love of Jesus Christ. We gotta change that. We gotta change that because I know you don't want to be a hypocrite because you don't like hypocrites. But when you try to live for the approval of others other than God's, that's what you become. 
and it impedes, it blocks your ability to share the good news with other people. So if you're a people pleaser, how do you become somebody who lives for the approval of God? Well, there's four facts that I want you to remember, four truths, okay? If you want to break free from people pleasing, you've got to change the way you think. And let me give you four truths of God that you got to know, okay? Number one, you can fill this out in your outline. Change your mind and start believing that you can't please everybody. Some of you try, but you can't. I'm going to tell you something. Not even God can please everybody. Do you realize that? You realize that not even God can please everybody? So if you try to do what even God can do, you're a fool. You are a fool. Okay? And some of you, you've been trying. Of, of somebody else, and they're never going to give it to you. So you got to stop trying. You got to stop wasting your life. They're never going to approve of you. You got to accept that fact that some people are not going to like you. You just got to be okay with that. You know when the only time everybody's going to like you? In your funeral. That's the only time everybody's going to speak well of you. Other than that, embrace the fact that you don't, that you can't and you don't have to please everybody. When, when Pastor Frank first told us about the merge, one of the first conversations my wife and I had was, and she told me this, she goes, Nestor, are you ready for more rejection? Because we knew everybody was going to like us. And you want me to tell you something? I'm okay with that. Because I'm not a lollipop for everybody to like me. I'm not. I want you to like me. I hope you like me. But if you don't like me, I'm not going to make my decisions based on your approval, but on the approval of God. Here's why Jesus even gives us this warning. Yeah, give the Lord a round of applause. Jesus even gives us this warning in Luke 6, 26. This is so awesome. He says... You are in for trouble when everybody says good things about you. You know why you're in trouble? Because there's no substance to you. If everybody likes you, there's no substance to you. The moment you do anything significant, somebody's not going to like you. In fact, leaders, if you're a leader in our church, it's okay for people not to like you. Because whenever you do something of significance, somebody's going to be bothered and they're not going to like it. Okay, so remember the words of Jesus. When everybody likes you, you're in for trouble. Okay, so what do you do with people that don't approve of us? Here's what you do. You treat them with respect and you pray for them. Amen. Did you hear me? You treat them with respect and you pray for them. Okay, so you can't please everybody. You don't need to please everybody. And God doesn't expect you to please everybody. Start embracing that. And that'll change you if you're a people. Second thing, uh, the second fact to remember is that I only have to please one person in life. And that one person is not your mother-in-law. It's God. Because some of you live for the audience of one, your mother-in-law. Okay? She's awesome. She's not bigger than God, although she thinks bigger than God at times. The one person you got to please is God. 
In fact, listen to this. The antidote to people pleasing is living for the audience of one, God. One sign that the true gospel has reached your life is that you stop seeking the approval of others and you start seeking the approval of God. And here's why, guys. Here's why God wants us to embrace his approval. Because the approval of others is impossible. I already told you, you're not going to be able to please everybody. But the approval of God is possible. How do you kill, how do you kill the desire of human approval? You spend time with God every day. If you're not spending time with God and he's not fulfilling your needs, you're going to look for them in somebody else. And that's when you become a people pleaser. Psalms 118 uh, verse 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And number three and number four, I'm going to put them together. Let me tell you what they are and I'll put them together because I have to finish. The third fact that you need to remember is that what seems so important now is temporary. What you important now is only temporary. And the fourth one is that one day you'll give an account of your Okay? What do people consider valuable today? Let me tell you what they consider valuable. Fame, success, wealth, and comfort. That's what people really consider valuable. That's why they become people pleasers. Because they want wealth, they want fame, they want, they want to be healthy, and they want to be comfortable. Let me ask you a question. Will things matter in heaven? Will it matter how much money you made? Will it matter how liked you were? Will it matter how comfortable and rested and how much you vacationed? See, those things are not bad. They're not bad. I'm not telling you you got to be poor and never go on vacation and always be. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we place those things as our highest priority. What is the most important thing we can do while we're alive? God and tell people about the love of God. Those two things will be the things that matter the most in heaven. Let me tell you something. Do you know why an antidote to people pleasing is to ask yourself, will this matter five years from now? See, teenagers, young people, you dress a certain way because you want to fit in. Is that going to matter five years from now? It's not. So you have to remember that a lot of things that we want are temporary. And then the second thing is that one day you're going to give an account to God. One day you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to give an account. And here's what Jesus says, okay? Because a lot of times we, we you want to know how you, how you are, if you're a, a people pleaser over a God pleaser, what do you do when you're asked the hard questions? What do you do when somebody asks you, so you believe that Jesus is the only way to have it? And if you don't have Jesus, you're going to hell? So you truly believe that, 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 that homosexuality is wrong before God? Do you truly believe that abortion is wrong before God? And here's what a lot of people do, okay? They cop out. They cop out by saying, well, that's above my pay grade. That's a pastor. Or I just kind of leave that up to God. I'll let God deal with it. Listen, yes, there's some stuff that is great, but there's a lot of stuff that is black and white. And the stuff that is black and white, we got to seek the approval of God before other people. But let me say this. It doesn't give you the right to be memed. You can say, yes, I am not for abortion. I think it's wrong before the eyes of God. But I believe that God loves 
people that have committed abortions. But it's still... Yes, God does not approve of homosexuality. God loves them. But he does not approve of them as much as he doesn't approve of drunkards and thieves. And a homosexual is not any worse than a drunk and a thief and a liar. Sometimes we're afraid of declaring our faith, declaring what God says because we want to be liked by people. Because if we say what we believe, we may not get that job. We might not get invited anymore. We might not get accepted. And I just want to end with this. Luke 9, 26. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in his glory of the Father and the holy angels. Here's what that means. If you're ashamed of God now, he'll be ashamed of you then too. So don't seek the approval of others. Guard your heart. Accept the truth that God loves you and he accepts of you.